Hello, and welcome to the Modern Romantic Podcast, where we celebrate and inspire romanticism through passionate people doing incredible things. Hi, I am so thrilled to be here. I didn't have a, a crazy intro for myself today. I'm just so excited for our guest. And I'm joined by my equally excited co-host, Emily. Hi, Emily. Hi, I am feeling festive. Yeah, my, but my name is Emily. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... Emily, I would love to to banter for a second, but I really want to dive into our incredible guests this evening, uh, or this afternoon for us, and our this evening for our listening guest across the pond. Would you do the honors of introducing our wonderful, wonderful uh, guest? I would. Yes. Today we are speaking with Lady Carnarvon from High Clare Castle. She wears many hats, and she is multi talented and brilliant. And I cannot wait to talk to her. Welcome to the podcast, Lady Carnarvon. You're very kind. You're giving me too much to live up to. <laughs> Not at all. You do wear many hats. <laughs> that I do, and most of them not not very well sometimes, but I, I try. <laughs> well, you certainly seem to have a lot of fun doing it. Well, you might as well. Otherwise, there's no point, is there at all? No. Agreed. Agreed. That's how we approach this show as well. We have a lot of fun. And <clears throat> excuse me, we we were looking into a little bit of your history, and one thing that maybe we have in common is fashion design. Does that? Well, yes, I did. I did some fashion design. Actually, after my pa died, before my father-in-law died, because I then gave it up to make sure I was full time with Geordie. But um, it was. It was fascinating, you know, fashion and style and how we define ourselves. It was a, it was a really interesting and very hard work part of my very mixed career. I'm not really sure what my career is, <laughs> but um, it's it is definitely muddled and mixed. But I'm enjoying it. I enjoy the challenges each day brings. Do you find that your fashion design past, it like? is something you still use today to dress yourself or your home? Actually, that's not something that I, I do focus on. I think I think colour helps, you know, when you're working with fabrics and colour, that really does inform, because at the moment, I tend to be more working with architectural spaces. Mm -hmm. So colour, form, shape, sure. you know, the, the quality of fabrics really does matter, whether you put it on um, upholstery or you, you create a garment or a coat with it. Um, funny enough, the accountancy that I did at the beginning of my career after university is probably the most useful thing to look back on, particularly because it helped me through the difficult times of, of COVID, when in order to survive, you had to devise, you had to be inventive for sure, but then you had to devise a process in terms of how you're going to survive that period. We are a hospitality heritage business relying on people. That's our only source of income. And um, Downton, whatever they say, did not um, give us a huge amount of income, but marketing fame. And in the end, every person here living needs a bit of cash every day to pay some bills. So the accountancy in terms of the process of understanding the strategy, mapping it out, completing it, ticking it off and effectively filing it, which you do as an auditor, was um, really boring, really process-driven and really useful. <laughs> I do want to go back there, by the way. Right. 
but it was necessary. I understand that. Um, one thing our listening audience may not be aware of is that your, um, and you alluded to it, but you, the residence that you have on your estate right now is was used as the uh, primary backdrop for Downton Abbey. Um, but they may not also know that you are currently going through the restoration process for that. Um, and I was wondering uh, where you are currently in that restoration process. Well, it wasn't just the backdrop for Downton Abbey. We were the set. We were Downton Abbey. So one and two were interchangeable. And we started um, restoration long before Downton Abbey uh, because, in a sense, it's been the most extraordinary journey. But you can't have more people through the front door before or after Downton Abbey. Same door, same space, same room shapes, same number of visitors. Makes no difference. And in a sense, that's... And, and equally well, the... They said it was good marketing, which it, which it really has been. But that's not what it's about. So in 2003, Geordie and I did a huge amount of work on the saloon roof, um, which is the, over the heart of the castle, the amazing room at the heart of the castle, which in Downton they called the Great Hall. And then I think two years later, um, we worked on another section of roof. So what we do the whole time is we break down the project to do this step that step, this step, that step. So there's never a day I'm not trying to do something, if you like. You know, you know, you you think you're going to mend a part of the ceiling, and then you possibly have to mend the whole ceiling of the room on the third floor, which is fine, only to find that the floor underneath it isn't good enough. So you you end up just doing what is possible and keeping on going, just like life, one foot in front of another. But you do. The boring stuff. You do the roofs. You do the boring stuff. You do the plumbing. You do the electrics. That's what comes first. And I think that makes sense. Um, there's a property here that's about three hours away from us called the Biltmore Estate, um, who's also going through that restoration process. And I notice, like with them, it is also different sections. So depending on when you go, um, your experience from one year to the next may not be the same mm -hmm. because they may be restore, uh, restoring pieces that were previously accessible that are need a little bit more attention. Um, during that, during when you're breaking those projects down and you get to places where there is a lot of history, how do you decide between what to keep as the or original or as much original as you can versus updating to more modern standards? Uh, well, there's many questions there. Firstly, I, I was honored to meet the Pickering family from Biltmore who came over here and they've done an amazing job there. And that's a slightly more recent house. You know, Highclere goes back to 749 AD. So one of the one of the problems is what what are you looking at and what is its importance and when does it date from? But having said that, I'm I'm um in terms of modernizing, well, it's not going to be heating to start with. So we're not going to put that in. It is as it is. <clears throat> and it's better for us to wear more jumpers um, than, and it's not hot enough to worry about the heat often enough. And it keeps the ambient temperature in the castle pretty good, probably more or less the same for the last 1300 years. So there aren't any radiators in the bedrooms, for example. So you just simply wear socks or more clothes in, 
in the winter. So it's kind of a different attitude. So in terms of of modernizing, that's not really a word I ever use. In terms of restoration or conservation, then yes, but I will do um, most of the basic rooms are in pretty good nick. You know, I've now worked my way around many of them and I've done up many of the bedrooms. So on the first gallery floor, there's 250 to 300 rooms and there's 50 to 80 bedrooms. So we started, we, we turned all the old servants' rooms into the Egyptian exhibition. So effectively that was restored or, or, or converted to a new use in 2007, eight. Although we've only emphasized it now because I've written a book called The Earl and the Pharaoh about the discovery of Tutankhamun. No Lord Carnarvon, no Tutankhamun. So I wrote the book and we've done the discovery, which is a really fun use of that space to take you into the tombs and round and mm -hmm. think about the extraordinary legacy of that man. So there's areas which are done and fine. And there's lots more areas which are en route. And that's all I think of them. Some have got more wibbly wobbly floors than others. Rome wasn't built in a day. And I don't know how far I'll get and nor do I worry about it. But I do focus on electrics. And there are 542 fire detectors in the house. Wow. 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 So there are some things which with my boring accountant's brain sit higher. I think that makes sense. Um, Archer was commenting towards the um, to the date that the estate dates back to. Not going to lie, just the idea of the building having been there that long is mind-blowing. I think it is too. And I think the idea that it was owned by the bishops of Winchester for 800 years. So that's why we brought out the colour purple in the Christmas decorations this year. And then we lose the bishop's heritage who were the who actually the, the bishops in the medieval church really perfected brewing and beer and ale in this country <clears throat> and they began to go into spirits with mead etc so that's why we've then created Highclere Castle gin and used a purple bottle so we want the bishopric and God on our side so that's where we've gone with that one and then it passed into secular hands and then my husband's family's been here since 1679 so it's had two owners for um, 1,300 years, which wow. is amazing. And I think, you know, in this very fragile, changing, scary world, I think visible houses like this give us a sense that if we can look back, if we can understand, if we can learn, if we can love what elements of the past better, then perhaps we can make better judgments today for the future. So I do think you know, culture and heritage matter. And then it's trying to make it fun, not a sterile museum where you can't touch anything or ask anything, where you look with admiration, oh my God, I want people to feel that they're in a home. It was built as a home. You know, it needs to be enjoyed. Party time. That's right. <coughs> Afternoon tea, champagne today. And that's what I love about the journey with everything you do that you post online, specifically Instagram. That's the one I tune into the most. Um, we talked earlier about um, the Barbie videos you made and some of the other fun things you've done. And I just, I just love that you um, have that fun attitude toward your, some of the work you do there. And I, I just love it. 
Well, thank you. I think we all need moments of fun again for all the scary reasons in the world. You need moments just to find some, just to have a laugh. Laughter is the best medicine. So I think that's quite amusing. And, you know, we've tried, um, Doctor Who arrived in the castle probably about mm. a week ago. And then um, I was the Dalek in that instance. And then Doctor Who was lowered by with a broomstick sticking out over the salute. It was just hysterical. But um, it, it kind of, I hope, was just a bit of a fun play on it, really. So, yes. And then um, I thought of an amazing, fun idea for a Boxing Day this year. So I'm really chuffed with myself. But that is a secret. We will watch for it. <laughs> we will watch for it for sure. Um, for me, it's you were talking about it from a fun aspect. Um, I love it from an accessibility sort of thing. There, the thing that struck me the most was really in your blog, in which you are um, talking about different aspects of the house, different visitors, or mm. different elements of the goings on on the estate. Um, and for me, coming from a theater background, there is sometimes a disconnect between this entity, um, uh, intellectual property, what have you, from being accessible by a larger audience. But I think you've really taken some steps in order to open that home and welcome mm -hmm. others into it to really get that sense of culture that you were in history that you were speaking about. Well, thank you. Although I was brought up, you know, writing with an ink pen <laughs> and reading books. And, you know, we didn't even always have a television down in Cornwall by the beach to start with and things like that. And my son always says, Mummy, were you born before or after World War Two? But apart from all of that, <laughs> so, oh. things like that. <laughs> but um, um, I think we've tried to embrace, you know, what the world offers today while staying true to our roots. And Instagram is, is fun and it's brief. And then I've started writing a blog, which I now write every Monday. And it allows me to do a little bit more thought, share some pictures, and just and it's amazing how many people engage and comment and which I find really really worthwhile from my point of view. Otherwise you write and nobody says anything. It's really nice to have that give and take, which is magic. So that's that is my Monday one. So tomorrow I know what I'm writing, which is a quite quite a fun one actually. You never expect where that one goes. It's hilarious. And I'm trying to think about my next two, but again, without being too um, down in the mouth, without being too, you could be a little bit more relevant, I think, to today's world. But I, I think, again, sometimes it's really nice to step back from the 24-hour news and to give a bit more of a, of a long view. I think High Clear offers the long view. You can look back in time. When you stand here and look around, you can look towards an Iron Age fort. You can look back in time to three and a half thousand years ago, because on the top of Beacon Hill is an Iron Age fort dating to that time. At the foot of it, the Bronze Age Chimulia, 2000 years earlier, you can look back towards an 18th century folly, and then you can look where you're standing today. So I love mixing time, perspective, space. I, I think humans have the most amazing brains and ability to get themselves out of all the all the mischief we are very good at getting ourselves into. So I suppose it's kind of putting a spin on it. 
like that. And I'm lucky. I think amazing people have visited this house. So it's fun to share. But thank you for appreciating it. We do a bit on Facebook, you know, and I think that's another um, useful medium, which has also found its way in the world. And then um, and then I've started something called Friends of Highclere. Yes. We had a Friends of Highclere tea party today. And that was such fun. It's a chance to sit down and share the treasures and secrets and take people behind the scenes in, in groups, which, which was amazing. It's so interesting. And then I've done 3D videos for them and stream from different places in the castle where people can't go. So different platforms, different ways of sharing, which I'm, in, I'm enjoying. You know, you have to try, don't you? Mm -hmm. I love that anybody could, because here in the U.S., we don't have a, quite such a visual history that goes back as far as your, yours do, does. So looking out our windows isn't quite the same as maybe looking out yours, but I love that we can have a taste of that through Friends of High Clare. So mm -hmm. can you talk a little bit about where or how someone can join? And you have two different packages regarding that, don't you? Well, you are. Yes, I did. It, 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 I thought of it, um, actually, fun enough, it all came just before COVID in February when I went around to Tutankhamun exhibition here in London. Loved it. Well, and then they asked me, you know, I was being, they're very kind, giving me a special tour early in the morning. I wanted to go upstairs and sit down in a chair and put on some 3D glasses. And I thought, well, really? But I better be polite. So I did. I sat down. That's the only thing I remember. It was amazing. I just felt I was there in Egypt. So I thought, crikey. <clears throat> and then I was turning it over in my head. And then I thought, well, um, you know, I, I could set up something like Friends of Highclere because I think coming, traveling through COVID, various things really mattered to every single person, which was friendship, families, saying hello, seeing people smile, being able to have a cup of coffee with someone, to a glass of wine, those small things which make us people and families and communities and, and part of our lives. So I thought I wanted to mix friends of Highclere and then also offer the advantages that we've learned. So anyway, by amazing chance, I found a team who could do 3D filming, which is unbelievably rare in this country. So we embarked on my next mad project, which was to set up a separate website which offered yes 2d streaming friends on fridays book clubs priority access and also it meant that i can go to different places different seasons and do some 3d filming so i've done a series of i think five or six 3d filming of all the christmas decorations awesome so you can put the glasses on you can sit in the rooms with me and hear about the themes and look around in your own time anyway so i've just found the whole thing absolutely amazing. I mean, each video, I, you can't edit 3D together. You're probably more au fait with it than I was when I started. So you have to be a, a one take person to okay. do it. And then at the end of it, um, it takes, I don't know how long to edit the videos because there's six cameras on each, on, on the camera. Mm. And it's also walking not too close or you'll get a really weird sight or <laughs> not walking too far away and it won't work either. So. So I, I've learned a huge amount and it just means that I can disappear down to a flower room. I can go up into, I'm redoing a room upstairs on the top floor in memory of my mother-in-law. So I've renamed it 
um, Wyoming as a homage to her, which is where she was born. Mm. And I can take everybody who's interested in detail through the restoration process. And everyone can sit down and look around, you know, say, oh, I don't like that wallpaper, I do like that wallpaper, and so on. So it's just, again, a little bit different way of going behind the scenes, which which is quite fun. I, I've um, it's, it's something which leads you on, actually. And I, I hope it's a really innovative, fun um, way of, of um, sharing highly. Some amazing people have become either patrons or friends, and some of them are doing amazing, you know, um, extraordinary day jobs in America, which I'm not going to share because they've emailed me separately, the most amazing emails. Um, and I think I'm their distraction and time out from really heavy duty day jobs. So I feel very fortunate and really honored and, and I'm enjoying it. So it's, I think it's going to develop over time. I, I'm very happy with what I've created at the heart of it. But I think as, as I, as we go on as a race in the next three years, the, what we are able to do in terms of streaming and TV will increase all the time. And it's quite cute. I use the bellboard for people to go in and access rooms and little flower pots for different areas of the garden because you don't have the joy of being here in the autumn necessarily and the spring, whereas I do. So it's quite fun to share daffodils and sit in the middle of the daffodils with the dogs in the spring Wonderful. and then stand Wonderful. under a tree with these extraordinary autumn colours in the autumn. So um, that's a different way of sharing. And in that case, also support Highclere, which is um, always useful because this, this, um, there is no pot of gold. There is no secret supply of money. You know, I've looked very hard under any floorboard to see if I get lucky. <laughs> in the end, it's standing there in my cotton socks with my husband thinking, you know, we've got to pay the salaries every month and we've got to figure out the way forwards and make it fun. I love it. Sandra in our chat said, I would love to see the behind the scenes video of the decorations. Well, they're all, well, there is some on Instagram and then there's five to seven of them. There are five to seven 3D videos on the, which I'm going to load up in the friends. Well, I'm in the middle of processing them all. No, the edit team is, I'm lying, way beyond my techno, whatever it is. But um, they are being edited now to go up in the week before Christmas. Where else next? Quite fun. Excellent. Uh, Sandra did admit to us when we were meeting about uh, today's interview, and one of the first things that she said, and um, Sandra, just telling her this because she was so excited. She said, it's purple. It's my favorite color. Oh, I know. This is bluey purple, but not quite purple. Yeah. It's a lovely color. Unexpected, but really rich. It's the year of the coronation of Charles III. So um, that's quite fun, I think, too. Um, it, it sort of references so many different um, um, heritages and colors. It's fun. Um, one thing that's also struck me is I've seen a couple posts about the sustainability of the estate. Mm. Um, and that's one thing again, that I, that I look to, um, the Biltmore estate for also being very self-sustained or from the farm mm. that's located directly on the estate back to the tables within that estate. Mm. Um, and 
was that something that was part of your initiative with uh, with your husband, or is um, something that's come up just from the from the nature of preserving the estate? I think this estate has always sought to be reasonably self-sufficient, and it has been for a thousand years. Um, I wrote a book called Catherine, the Real Downton Abbey, which took the estate through World War II, when one of the themes in this country was about digging for victory, because otherwise we were going to starve. After that, um, so much farming went on in the years after World War II, that in some ways too much of the land was farmed, and then it was rowed back from when we joined the EU. Um, at that point, my husband and his father went into all the stewardship schemes. There are, there were years and years ago, banks of wildflower meadows, beetle banks, stubble for stone curlews, etc. So this estate has already been invested in that. The government in the UK um, is talking about rewilding. Um, I'm not sure many of us are necessarily fans of many of the government's in the countries in which we reside, which is probably one tactful way of putting it. And this government is not seeking to support farmers at all. Every single country in the world supports its farmers. They do in America, Canada, Europe. And I don't know how this government thinks we can farm or how we can eat the produce of rewilding, which is just trees in their view. It's far more complicated and interrelated and I'm just with a friend now beginning to see if I can't create a campaign to support farmers in this country before 75% of them go out of business, mm. which I think is just terrible. So it's very close to my heart. I think we should grow the food we can grow to eat well. And it is fair enough to import, but we shouldn't be, however nice you are in America, importing your wheat when we can grow it perfectly well here. What does that do to air miles or carbon? We should grow the wheat we can here. If we can't grow avocados here, fair enough. But it's just choosing what you do. And if we have sheep here, we shouldn't be importing it 9,000 miles away from New Zealand. That's all back to front and completely idiotic. And I don't know what happens to people when they become politicians, but they seem to lose all their common sense. So there's various practical steps that we can all take to eat what we can, which is grown locally, to eat well, to not throw away the 30% of food we have been throwing away, but to consume and think about what we're eating and cooking, and not to eat such mass-produced food, which then, again, that takes so much carbon and energy to create um, some food that you put in a microwave. So it's again, going back to basics. So my books, I've written three books now. They've all got cooking at the heart of them, at home at High Clear, Christmas at High Clear, and Seasons at High Clear. So Seasons is about living well, eating well, laughing, cooking well. It's about what we are as people. So they often um, are, you know, have light covers and happy faces, I hope, because that's the better way to go. But there's also often an undercurrent underneath saying, you know, in there, the fish recipes are from fish we can catch off the English coasts. Why not? Absolutely. So you're, you're right. It does matter. It matters enormously to me. And and that's what I next 
and trying to do starting tomorrow. I love that you have that vision and I love that you have that stance on it. Um, I think you're, you are really making a difference with that estate. So it, um, we were listening to, or we were interviewing, um, oh, and the name is escaping me right now, who brought up the word of the year is authentic. Um, and I think a lot of what you do with this estate is authentic to you, to you and authentic to the, the goals that you set. Well, thank you. I think because of what the, the main thing that Dante allows me to do is speak out and I'm more likely to be able to um, kind of speak out rather than if I lived in a in an estate with, you know, a nice house with 12 rooms. You, you don't have that. But I, I um, just try to do my best. And I just think we all need to take a practical stance on this. Yes. Well, Archer in the chat said, well, based on that alone, I'm voting for you. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> the other thing is, you know, what's great is you can get things done here. So, you know, you have a decide, you, you do so, you think, well, that sounds good. You know, you test it, you listen to lots of other people, take their advice and you do it. You don't just bloody talk about it. That's a waste of time too. Right. But, um, anyway. But I'm sure that many people could also walk out and will walk out just as we're doing. And that's kind of good. Hey, it's Emily, the host and creator of the Modern Romantic Podcast. I just wanted to let you know of something you may not be aware of. And that is we sometimes reference the chat or an audience during our show. And that's because we record via a live stream. So we actually have a live show on Mondays and the occasional Sunday. And you can tune in too and be part of that live audience. It is uh, via chat through our social media network. So when we're streaming live on Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, Instagram, and YouTube, you can join in the chat and we can see it. And so can our guests and we can answer your questions and respond to your comments and see everything. You can be part of that community. We'd love for you to be there. So join us sometime. Head to our website to check out our social media links and when we're streaming live. That is www.themodrom.com. I'm glad that you have a voice and that that's what you're using it for. Well, thank you. So this is my real next campaign. So my husband is very much the farmer and I'm very much the farmer's wife. But sometimes it's easier for me as a woman to speak out funnily enough than him, you know, because I you know, wear pink shirts or velvet jackets and, and, and it's just easier to be her. So we do work as a really good partnership. He acts more as chairman and I act more as CEO. And that's kind of how we work across all the different business platforms. And I try to keep some of the detritus away from him because, you know, he's been working on leaky gutters all his life, whereas I've only been doing it for the last 25 years. So um, I try to deal with leaky gutters more than he does. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is something um, that you do together that you enjoy as far as the work on your property? We do actually everything together and we swap out. Mm -hmm. So we do all the charities and everything together so that, you know, um, <clears throat> if one of us can't be there, the other can. So, uh, you know, we were, there was a farming meeting and he couldn't be there. So I chaired that. 
and then we both went to another meeting together. Um, it, it it really it's it's we're interchangeable, and you know I've written books about his family, but he's read everything and edited and passed comment. I write it with more lightness. He's perhaps has a rightly a more serious bent, whereas I'll make a joke and kind of say I need you. Well, you know if he's if he's um if he's feeling a bit more serious, I will then ask him to please go back to bed. And he then says, why? And says, to get out the other side with your sense of humour. So, you know, it's just different prompts of how to turn his turn a mood round, which um, his my sense of humour as one of six girls is a way of, of channeling my way forward. <laughs> he doesn't always share that, but he does by the end of the time. <laughs> uh, Sandra was asking, uh, could you tell us a little bit more about high, um, how High Claire Gin was started? Well, thank you. Yes, Highclere Castle Gin is actually a project with American colleagues, and we're actually an LLC based out of Connecticut. Oh. And um, um, we were we were debating about again this link of of farm to table, farm to glass. And we got a rand. My husband got a random email from this chap called Adam von Gutkin talking about whiskey and distilling, which he'd been thinking about because we produce malting barley, and. Geordie rang him up and liked the sound of him. So Adam and his wife got on a plane and that was the start of our business venture. <laughs> they ended up driving around whiskey distilleries and they thought, okay, let's not start with whiskey. Let's start with the ultimate English drink, Highclere Castle Gin. We then spent four years setting the company up, nine months tasting gin. It's made in the oldest distillery in this country. It's now won 150 gold and platinum awards. Wow. It's in a beautiful purple bottle yeah, for, as the medieval estate. Plus, obviously, now that represents God. So it's, and it's the, it's, oh my God, it's the gin of choice in St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York. So if you go to the cathedral, you'll find there Cardinal Dolan and everyone else supporting Highclere Castle too. <laughs> so anyway, it's amazing what we've got to. And, um, you know, we then ship it to America to our colleagues. And I think we're in 22 states. We had a really difficult time when COVID struck because we literally launched it like a month before, which is a really rubbish position to be in. When you're, you're not known, the brand's not known, it's completely hopeless. But um, our American colleagues, Adam and team, came up with an idea of doing a virtual cocktail party. So we started that every other Friday from Highclere. And I mean, until that time, I was, I was excellent at ordering a cocktail off a menu, pointing it out and just enjoying it. I then obviously had to learn to make them because everyone was furloughed, learn the history, and then we'd set up every other Friday filming and we'd never done this before with Instagram or Facebook and the cameras were upside down. We couldn't get the logins. <laughs> it was hysterically hilarious. We did get there. And then by July, we were in People magazine. We created the largest virtual cocktail party in the world <laughs> with up to 80,000 people watching George and I drink. Amazing. So we had Labradors, one of my pet horses and Arab mayor came to join the cocktail party that July, um, round about Independence Day. She tried the ingredients, the blackberries, the raspberries. She didn't knock over the gin or the glasses. Very clever. 
and she potted off again. So we had some amazing times and I was really proud. So it was a great way of keeping us going. It has been challenging because, um, you know, some of the distributors we had then didn't fare so well during COVID and we found new distributors. We also though set up HighclayCastleGin.com online. So not in the dry states, wherever you are in America, you can now buy it. We probably wouldn't have done that. So we've done things in funny orders. But, you know, we're now hopefully once more trying to go forward. We just opened in a state. And then like in this country, it would close down again. Then it would open. And, oh, my God. Don't want to go there again. None of us do, do we? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. So it's quite fun. Anyway, so I am pretty well versed in cocktails. How fun. I love the stories. Hanky Panky. I mean, I had to pick the Hanky Panky to tell the story of that one. Or the Aviator or the Bees Knees. We had such fun with the 1920s cocktails, referencing Prohibition time in the States. So I, I learned a lot, which was fun, and tried a lot. And then, you know, we were also trying to tell the stories, but I'd have Adam down the phone with somebody in the room saying to me, because there was about, you know, eight of us who... um grouped together here and never went out so that was our family group if you like and they were saying drink drink and i said well i've had enough to drink <laughs> so it was it was a really fun time and actually the cocktails were really good <laughs> so but anyway it, it is online now on the website and that should get to anyone within 48 hours hopefully okay and then i'm hoping we're getting into more states again but yeah I'm really proud of it. And we then did a gold gin too to celebrate Tutankhamun. And yeah, we're having some fun. Um, I was just saying that uh, Archer and I, I think are some of the, um, uh, some of the people are part of this creative production that also enjoy uh, an occasional adult beverage from time to time. Um, I'm really intrigued by the, the gold gin. So I can't wait to add that to my collection. Well, what was extraordinary was again, Adam, um, came up with this great idea of creating this gold bottle of High Clay Castle Gin to celebrate the discovery of Tutankhamun alongside my book book coming out. So it's it was the most beautiful. He aged it for two years over whiskey barrels. And it came this beautiful colour and this amazing taste. I mean, it was a brilliant idea. Actually, there's a there's a thing on YouTube about it. And this chap was saying, oh my God, it's amazing, it's amazing. So Adam said I had to watch it because he was just so supportive. And I was watching it and by the end, I went to go and get myself one just to try it because he was right, it was amazing. It was, um, so that has been such a fun initiative. I've sold some today to some friends of Highclere. They went off very happy actually, rather pleased. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. Someone, uh, Sandra in the chat said the bottle is beautiful. Oh, thank you. It is. Do you know, in the summer, um, people found it was on Louis Bar. We have a cocktail bar here um, in the summer, when which is just magical. And people are outside and we play jazz music at the end of the summer evenings in July and August. Well, actually, probably from lunchtime, but not breakfast time. And the, the, there's gold bottles of gin on, on Louis Bar. And what was amazing was in the summer, um, people went up saying, I want that bottle. And he was about to tell them, well, it's aged for two years. It's this, it's that. And they said, I don't care. I just want the bottle. So they bought the bottle. So he came to me and said, I've sold four bottles today, two to each of these people because they love the bottle. 
amazing. Archer said, do you need some serfs? Uh, I'm already packing to move to High Clare if you've got some room for living workers. <laughs> no, I'm always looking for people. But bizarrely, we don't have any accommodation. It's so annoying. So, you know, all the cottages are lived in by people already working for us. But um, I wish we had more cottages. They all got sold, actually, to survive after World War II. Wow. Very annoying. <laughs> what is something that you do or something in part of what you do, you, you can decide, that makes you sit back and go, yes, this is why I do what I do. Well, I don't really ever think like that. I just no. do what I do because I do what I do. I mean, that the moments of the day which always make me smile, or when I was trying to throw frisbees for the puppies today, and they were trying to catch them and missed it and, and you know, turned over and got muddy and then came back and just wanted to lick me and say hello. Those are the magic moments of the day, I think, of every day, of any day. Or, um, you know, going to see them in the morning and they're just so happy that um, they can um, to be let out and then come and have a quick cuddle. Mm -hmm. It's just amazing. Yeah. Or, or this evening, because uh, my husband's um, gone down to see somewhere else tonight, so which means I'm going to be sitting on the sofa with two puppies on top of me which is utter heaven um and um some other dogs around which is just completely magic those are the moments that i truly love i'm sure just the same as everybody else who's listening or watching that mm -hmm. puppy cuddles are the best they are the best and i think again during the time that we've all been through wherever we lived in the world i think we all enjoyed the changing of a season watching some cherry blossom come out, being able to walk where you wanted to watch the cherry blossom come out, to um, enjoying going around the block with a dog, to um, recognizing just the friendship they give, whatever whatever the world is doing. Um, that Those are all, that's all that we all share wherever we live. Amazing. Mm -hmm. There's an image. Um, so right now I am, I've recently found out that I'm very allergic to dogs. Um, so I'm going through allergy shots and that sort of thing so that eventually my boyfriend and I can get a dog. Um, but there's this image that I have of being in fall and walking with this, um, essentially a walking fluff ball. It's a Kaishan, so of course it's a giant walking shadow fluff ball. Um, but just walking with my boyfriend, the leaves are falling and with a nice puppy. That's That's really what I'm like. That's picturesque in my mind. That's the dream, isn't it? Mm -hmm. That is the dream. It is. It's magic. Completely magic. My husband doesn't want all the dogs around him all the time. I make him have puppy love for a set amount of time of an evening if he's around. And then and then I um and then he says that's enough. So mm -hmm. usually if they've made a nasty smell, actually. Whereupon <laughs> they have to go. <laughs> if I'm honest. Um, as someone who is doing such inspiring work there, I'm sure that you have inspired countless people out there with, uh, with everything that you've done at High Clare, but I want to turn it back to you and ask, is there someone who inspires you? I think both, actually almost before I met Geordie, or certainly when I had nothing to do with running High Clare, I was, um, 
up in Yorkshire. And I'd gone to listen to a lady called Debo Devonshire, the Duchess of Devonshire, who ran Chatsworth House. And she, I think, has been an inspirational icon for all, everybody trying to run a stately home, whichever side of the ocean we live on. Chatsworth obviously has many connections to America, vis-a-vis the Kennedys. But she and her husband unexpectedly inherited Chatsworth because his elder brother died in World War II and left them with the most immense death duties and, you know, opening to the public, making people feel welcome. She wrote some great books called Counting My Chickens, just about everyday life or visitors coming. She wrote her own biography, so wait for me. Charming books. And I've always just felt that everything she did made people feel welcome. And whatever at Highclere, if we're going to open it, which we are to the public, and it's been open since since my par-in-law opened it with my husband in 1988, if you are open and welcoming people, then you need to make them feel welcome. You need to say thank you for coming. How lovely to see you. <clears throat> and I always felt that that's, that's, the, that's the image she gave me of Chatsworth, as if she was welcoming visitors to Chatsworth to the parks, the grounds, to the house. And I think it's that sense, which is what I've always remembered and tried to bring to Highclere. So that's what we're doing. We're not doing it because we have to, although we are required by the law here so to do, but that's not why we're doing it. It's because we want to share Highclere. And, and um, Highclere has been shared as these stately homes have for years. It has been a place for visitors for travellers to stop. And in Christmas at Highclere, in one of the chapters, I wrote about a visitor coming here to Highclere in 800 AD and the welcome that he found. How wonderful. Um, do you have any big uh, dream projects that you would like to do someday, someday? There are so many projects here. Um, um, but I'm not... One, for borrowing money to go into debt. I think it always has to be something which is going to sustain the house. So I'm kind of always thoughtful, careful, reflective, contemplative before I decide what to do. I enjoy my writing. That takes me out of the everyday life and I turn on some classical music, some Mozart or Handel or, or John Rutter or um, Andrew Bocelli. And it just kind of helps my brain settle down. And I've got a beautiful room at the top floor of the castle I tend to use to write in because it's absolutely miles away, lots of stairs. So nobody bothers to come up and disturb me because you really have to climb up there. If they do come up, they have to bring a cup of tea or I won't even speak to them, but that's fine. And um, um, because it's miles away. And I, I do I enjoy writing. So I would, I'm contemplating what I'm writing next. Excellent. I think I enjoy things like that. I really enjoy writing. I think that comes across really well in your your blogs. Um, the first one that I saw was your most recent one from you know, I think it was dated December fourth um, about the statue of the, uh, the, the statue. Yes, yeah. um, it was just it was easy to get lost in the words, and it, it's clear how much you care about writing um, and the attention to detail that you give 
uh, the English language. Well, thank you. I, I do. Writing the blog every week um, makes you improve your writing. I mean, writing is just something that gets better when you write, to be honest. And I look back at some of my earlier writings thinking, oh, my God. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I think it's fine. It's only as you go on, you, you're you better, I think, at drawing in. And and, and um, the Earl and the Pharaoh, you know, I wanted to draw people into this the life here in Victorian times. Have either of you looked at that book at all? The Earl and the Pharaoh? I, no. I have not had a chance. So no, but it's it's a uh, like every book you've got, you've got on Amazon, but but again it's trying to work out how to tell a story which you know the story of Judicom Discovery is sort of known but not known. So how do you write a biography? Where do you begin? Where do you tell someone's life? And with that one, I knew where I wanted to start. So I'd written that chapter of these tiny children. My character, who became the fifth Earl, was nine. He had an elder sister, Winifred, who was ten. A younger sister, Margaret, who was four. And his beloved mother was about to give birth to another baby. And it was Christmas, and he was 1875. And they were so excited, and it was snowy, and there were sledges, and they were staying with their grandmother whilst um, their father could go with their mother to London to the best surgeon, Dr. William Gull, who looked after Queen Victoria. So up they went, and they were so excited with the telegram that their mother had given birth to a little baby. And they all went up by train with their baskets of hampers and went on up to London to go in and see their mummy and meet their new sister, who actually ended up being called Victoria, for Queen Victoria, who stood as her godmother. And then two weeks later, at the beginning of January, their mother sadly died. She never recovered from childbirth. So these tiny children and baby all came back to Highclere in a train and their mother was in a coffin. So that's where I wanted to bring you into the story. And they laid their mother's coffin in the library. And it was the new year of 1876. And thinking about what happens to the boy and how you develop from that and what, what difference that makes to your life. Interestingly, you know, you read about Victorian parenting and being very remote. Their father was a minister, a politician, very well respected. And he more or less gave up he gave up his career at that time to be with his children and to look after them. So it was just a way of, you know, so with any writing, it's where you begin and then how you follow it through. So it's just lives like yours and mine. And we all know those sad stories. And then we also then know all the fun stories and the happy stories that develop. And, and then to my complete surprise, unsurprisingly, he went to a school called Eton, which is a big school in this country. And then to my complete surprise, he behaved so badly, he was asked to leave after two and a half years. So, you know, the story changes gear many times. But it's, it's again, words, writing, shared stories, audio books, which it is as well. You know, it's these are all the stories that we share. This is what makes us people. This is what makes us human. And then he found the only pharaoh ever found intact, Tutankhamun. Right. No Lord Carnarvon, no Tutankhamun. And that's where it began. That is fascinating. 
there whenever we so emily this is more kind of a comment to you there are so many times that we have guests on the show that um that are so great to listen to because both the way that they speak and the way that they write it's clear how how much they dedicate to that writing and that creative process um i would like to add lady carnarvon to that as well mm-hmm. um, it, is, it is so nice um it helps because uh, sometimes i get stuck in my own head when i'm writing um different things like i have script ideas that i want to do i have um, an audio series that i'm trying to get off the ground and getting very stuck in my own head so it's nice to hear the way that things get framed and that practice really does lead to some incredible results um Without any kind of natural segue to it, I would kind of like to look ahead a little bit towards later in the month. Uh, right now, we're recording this um, a couple of weeks prior to Christmas. And yeah. I read somewhere that you have um, some really nice family traditions that you do at Highclere. Uh, could you talk a little bit about what some of those traditions are? Well, I think it's both, um, tradi- well, traditions from my husband's family, but also, you know, from my family, from growing up with all my sisters. And um, <clears throat> I don't know, from, um, we have some terrible musical crackers, which we have round the dining room table. And in each cracker, I don't know whether you have them, is a whistle, mm-hmm. and they're numbered one, two, eight. And then theoretically, you can, someone can call out the number of the whistle, which is like the number of an octave on the piano. And you can then try to, blow jingle bells it is absolutely appalling <laughs> but, um, but we do do it every single time and it never works and yet every christmas we're doing that again That's so, wonderful. so i don't know but we always go to church on christmas morning and and you know having done santa claus and church I, my younger sisters have young children and so they appear on my videos last christmas and things like that so that's where they come from my um my number five and six sister have four and three children who are 14 years and under going down to four or five i think i remember now so i love hearing the kids running around shrieking like anything else christmas is about children so children are really important and sitting around the dining room table and theoretically nobody opening their presents till after lunch so we have our lunch in the middle of the day. And then in the evening, there's we go and collect food from the from the fridges, if we can eat anything, which we may or may not eat. But there's all those small family things of, of then using up the leftovers, of going out for long walks, and, and very simple things, actually. And just like everybody else, it's being together. And I tend to ask friends who have, maybe got divorced or lost their husband or wife or parents if they want to come and stay. I think it's a time not to be on your own. And it's not a time we <coughs> we dress up or are particularly smart. <coughs> it's a time we simply sit together. <coughs> so sorry, I've been talking all day. Oh. You are just sorry. fine. Yeah, yeah. you're, fine. you're oh, all right. Forgive me. Whatever you need to do. <clears throat> I like Christmas at Highclere. It's a fun book to write. Twelve chapters for twelve days of Christmas. It's a fun book. It is, yes. And we also do um, um cross well, not crosswords. 
you know, um, puzzles. I've forgotten the word now. You know, where you fit in the pieces together. Jigsaw puzzles. There we go. Mm -hmm. There's always a big jigsaw puzzle on the go. Um, which you is what's so annoying is I, you know, I buy a new one and there's one bloody piece missing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and we play Cluedo and Monopoly. There's one small TV in a back room. So we, we do the... Um, and some of my nieces play the piano. So it's just... And otherwise, it's playing hide-and-seek and things like that. Wonderful. I love that those things that keep magic in Christmas, many times for children, are things that adults miss and love and, and yeah. want in their lives now. And I yes. think that's something that is a universal thing for many people. Yes, it's turn the TV off for a bit. I do re I do have to admit this. I do really enjoy playing card games with my family. Um, mostly so that we can play gin and gin rummy against uh, against my grandmother, who is well over 80 at this point. And just so that I can say that I beat my 80-year-old grandmother at gin rummy. <coughs> she probably beats you too. Uh, yes, very much so. Oh, good. That's <laughs> good <yeah>. to hear. <laughs> <laughs> you don't just annihilate her and leave it. <laughs> she has. To no, there's great games to play, and um, there's Twister and things like that. You know, it's um, and light the fire. It's actually just also sitting down and catching up. You know, mm -hmm. we don't in this rushed world of gadgets. It's just sitting down to catch up with people. I was going to ask what you do for New Year's. Then do you? keep it quiet then since christmas is a big well that's always a big debate actually because obviously the youngsters want to do something mad <clears throat> and i my parents never really did and you know went to and and julie and i don't really either so we try and stay up for new year sort of maybe i'm with one of my sisters or something so in scotland hogmanay is a huge festival but that was because cromwell banned christmas when he came to power after Charles I was executed. So Christmas was banned. And um, when Charles II came back, the most popular thing we'd do was reinstate Christmas. So because Christmas was banned, the Scottish then started Hogmanay, being the big New Year celebration. So that's really fun up there. But I also love Burns Night. So I'm doing Burns Night this year, which I adore, and I love reeling. Mm -hmm. And I started the reeling club at St Andrews University when I was there. So um, Geordie's pretty good at reeling now. He's pretty hot. So that's quite fun. And um, um, I get um, amazing people who've never reeled before. I don't always tell them, actually, they're going to reel or they're coming to Burns tonight. So by the time they've arrived, they can't back out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> so, We're going. <laughs> no, I know. But I do a practice run, and we just do three reels, do a practice run. That is such fun. I just think Scottish reeling, it brings everyone together. It's really straightforward, or some of the dances, I just do the straightforward dances. It is amazing, and everyone has such a sense of achievement. And it's so, it's so loud and noisy and mad. It's great. Magic. Magic, actually. That sounds magic. It is. I might have to do one for Friends of Highclere at some point. They might all have to learn to reel with me. I think I'd get oh. loads of friends wanting to do that. It'd be such a laugh. I vote Magic. for that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so Lady Carnarvon, uh, one thing that I would like to ask, um, so that our listening audience uh, can keep in touch with you and your blog and the work that you're doing at Highclere, and hopefully one day also visit Highclere, yeah, um, where can they um, interact with you and what places would you recommend uh, to visit to learn more about Highclere? Well, we're just about to upload a new website, which hopefully should be better, um, much clearer, much cleaner, which is quite exciting. The blog that I write does go out every Monday and I, I read the comments and reply to them. So that's also a way of replying to people. <clears throat> Sometimes people write comments about other matters, about times of visiting and stuff. So I can pick those off and just reply to them anyway. We do friends newsletters every month, which go out, what's going on, what's coming up, to try to give them advance warning. Um, the Instagram's quite a good way of keeping up, as in Facebook. I mean, we do try and reply to people on it. It's about engagement. I think it's about chatting to each other. So that's what we do through all of the media. They're not about just... I think some, some Instagram sites are about promoting the Instagrammer and I hope ours is about sharing so it's not about anything other than sharing communicating and engaging and I think that again goes to the heart of what makes for successful communities and and happy communities and feeling feeling you're part of something and again not isolated community I, I, yeah. by isolation I think it's terrible Right, and you, you've created a community. And there are some amazing people on Instagram who have gone through some really tough times, and they tell me about them. And I can at least say how sorry I am and share it, and I will do this, or I would like to do that, etc. And And it, you can reach out and give someone some meaningful support. It's tiny, but I think that's what it is about. It's about saying, thank you for sharing that with me. Um, I'm just wishing you all the best. And that helps, I think. That connection um, helps. Yeah. And I love that you that you personally respond to those uh, those comments and things. It goes back to that accessibility factor mm -hmm. and that engagement. It's it's so refreshing to see. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you. I suppose I, there's um my 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 own grandfather was um was a general in, in World War II, and I've got my father's army background. And again, you know, I've met many people in the services, and the best of them are always about, let's do it. Not telling one some to do it, but let's do it, and together we can do it. So that's what I think Heikla is about. Lady Carnarvon for uh, Minister of the UK. <laughs> No, no, <laughs> I probably won't be able to see my dogs enough. <laughs> oh, right. That's true. Well, Lady Carnarvon, this this last hour has been incredible. I really have to thank you so much for taking time to share with share with us your passion about High Claire, your insight to to life in general, and for your writing um, and encouraging others to uh, to write and encourage them to continue pursuing their love of English. Thank you so much. It's an amazing language, English. So um, it's a wonderful language with which to play and to write. That's for sure. Thank you. Thank you for inviting me on. Absolutely.
Um, this episode, along with every other episode, will be in memory of Joe Capone, our moderator, fellow comedian, passionate encourager, and greatly missed friend. Uh, for information about High Cleric uh, Castle, you can uh, visit Instagram. They have a new website that is coming. Um, so please do that. Sign up for the Friends of. I apologize for my coughing. I have been um, I've been doing too much talking today. I'll be doing none this evening. <laughs> Um, You can find more information about High Clare Castle um, on Instagram and their future upcoming website. Uh, Find us pretty much wherever you can tune into podcasts. For updates, announcements, and more, please follow us on social media under Modern Romantic. Uh, Thank you, everybody, and have a a magical day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us. Bye-bye.